Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Prayer sermons are so important. I call them the non-negotiables. You see, let me use this illustration. There are things that are important but not necessary for a car to function. For instance, if you remove the footmat, the car will still move. Isn't that true? If the air conditioning unit of your car stops working, well, it might not give you the most comfortable ride, but the car will still move. But if you remove the tires, the car is not going anywhere. If you remove the engine, the car is not going anywhere. If you look at any church, there are things that directly impact the life of that church. Some things are negotiables. In fact, many things are negotiables. You can have church without microphone, without even, you know, speakers. You can have church without a good venue. But by the time you begin to tamper with prayer, with fasting, with all these things, then the church becomes a shadow of itself. My mind, you know, taken to the direction of God's word to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. He says, I know your labor. I know your patience. You get labor right. You get patience right. You get perseverance right. He says, but one thing you have missed. You've forgotten your first love. I was speaking to a man of God who has pastored in the U.S., for about 15 years and he was complaining and lamenting you know how a lot of things are not how they used to be and of course I'm not I'm trying not to generalize not all churches but a good number have they they have substituted the move of the spirit for branding and all those things and it seems like there is a reverse mentorship going on if I may say so carefully where the churches that used to mentor the body of Christ in Nigeria are now looking to us for direction. And I looked at him, you know, without thinking twice, and I said, there is one major thing that the church in the U.S. is missing. I said, check it. They stopped praying voluminous prayers. They started making it short. They started making it cute. And I'm telling you, pray. you know, and I've told you this before, how that in the moment of prayer, the Lord asked me a simple question. He said, mention all the places where people gather together to pray. And I tried. I mentioned Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 4, you know, all the places. And he said, what do they have in common? Do you realize every time people gather together to pray, something extraordinary happened? There is no single example in the Bible of corporate prayer without corporate power. No single example. When people gathered to pray, something happened. We are now, now going to make the same mistake and discover later the importance of corporate worship. You know, the, recently, the devil has tried to attack the concept of corporate worship. Oh, you don't need to belong to any local church. It's not necessary. There is something the devil is after. There is something. Because there is power in corporate worship. 
So in our generation, we will take it seriously. Come on, are you with me? We will, we will take it seriously. If we do what they did, we will see what they saw. When they prayed in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake. The place where they were shook. As we pray today, this place will shake. As we worship today, this place will shake. And only things that are of eternal value, the things that are consistent with God's plan for your life will remain. Say loud, amen. amen. Prayer is a landmark culture. Something that we must not tamper with. Something that we must not tamper with. How did they discover the power of corporate worship? I don't know. All we know is that from that time, the time of Enoch, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. How did they know that there was power in it? God must have lured them to it. Just like the psalmist said, blessed is the man that you choose and cause to approach you. He must have lured them into it. But anyway, they discovered it. And we will hold on to it with orthodoxy. We will hand it over to our children as a heritage. We will tell them, from the Bible and from our own lives, the power of prayer. That's one thing my father handed over well. In terms of doctrine, not so much. <laughs> but with your doctrine, Mr. Irem, pray. Are you listening to me? I've told the story so many times. How I was in GS2 when he woke us up one morning and said, prepare. We are praying 12 hours today. Ah, we, I, we thought he was joking. I remember asking my sister, is he joking? I'd be, we'll be tired. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we prayed it, and then the next day we did 10 hours, and then the third day we did 8 hours. Hallelujah. And I didn't understand why. But I just knew that there were strange signs in this man's life. Strange. The kind of testimonies he would share. Testimonies of divine preservation. My family is strange. You know, one day my mom was in the house, just going about her chores, and all of a sudden she broke down in tears. Everybody ran to her, what is happening? She said, your daddy, something is wrong. Imagine that. That's the kind of house I grew up in. She sat on the floor, praying and crying. At that time, my dad was at gunpoint. At that exact time, robbers had stopped him, stolen his car. That's the time, type of house I grew up in. Someone wanted to eliminate my dad in the office, put a charm on the chair. And you know, reflex, those of you who have a blue collar job, you know, you just pull your chair and sit down. As he was about to sit, he felt physical arms on his shoulder, holding him still. What is that? There's nobody here. He turned and he saw the charm right on the chair. One thing we must receive and hand over to the coming generation is this culture of prayer. Listen, I know you're touche. I know you have all the doctrines about how it is no, no more necessary to go to a physical mountain. I'm sure you've heard teachings like that. Why must you go to a mountain? God is everywhere. But listen, one thing that generation got right 
was the culture of seeking God diligently. And I pray that you embrace that. Come on, are you with me? We must embrace that. He didn't stop with Enoch. We learned from Abraham. We just see that every time God gave him an instruction, he built an altar. He built an altar. The four altars of Abraham, as he was going to the place that God will show him. Listen, we are talking about the connection between prayer and divine leading. God will speak to him, go to a place that I will show you, and from place to place, he built an altar. For two reasons, number one, to commemorate the instructions that God gave him as a reminder. But also, as a pattern of relationships for future instructions. Because it doesn't really matter that God spoke to you yesterday. If you don't have a structure to maintain that relationship so that you hear tomorrow, you will face dire consequences. Because if you heard yesterday, take your son, your only son whom you love, and sacrifice him to me, and you don't hear, stop. There will be serious consequences. So thank God you heard God yesterday. Some of you are still holding spiritual relics of the past, of the great things God did, the dreams you, ha you had 10 years ago. Well, it's time to hear God now. It's time to hear God now. And if you listen, what happens once in a while can happen consistently by the culture of prayer. Now, even though we don't offer sacrifices anymore. But now Paul says to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8 verse 2. He says, present your body a living sacrifice. Meaning this is, this is our new conduct for living. It's a paradox. Living sacrifice. Sacrifices are always killed. Sacrifices are always dead. So when he says living sacrifice, he's telling us to live as though we are dead. No wonder Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. Say loud, amen. amen. Meaning my life must typify connection to God. There must be evidence of the presence of God on my life. Just like the altar of Elijah was testament that God had received his sacrifice. Our daily life and daily devotion but show evidence of the divine. Evidence of the divine. Oh, and I'm telling you, oh my God, if you do what they did, you will see what they saw. That's the integrity of the scriptures. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never you read about divine leading and think it is for those days. Embrace it from today. Your life must typify what it means to be naturally supernatural. Say loud, amen. amen. I want to give three examples of how prayer brings divine leading. And how prayer sparks up supernatural encounters. Like I said... As we've established in this series, you see, God leads sometimes just of his sovereign will. 
If he shows Pharaoh a dream, it's not because Pharaoh prayed. Isn't that true? But if you hold on to that, you will see the miraculous in your life only once in a blue moon. If you develop a culture of consistent devotion, you will also experience consistent leading. So even if Saul was not expecting a divine encounter, in fact, he was against the will of God, going to Damascus to arrest Christians. And Jesus shows up in front of him. The glory knocks him off his horse. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. He then says, go into Damascus and it shall be told you what you shall do. This is the problem many of us have. When we receive divine instructions from God, we simply go and while away time. I don't know who taught Saul. I don't know where he got it from. Because he was a new convert. Saul went, even though he couldn't see. In that house, he was praying. Come on, are you with me? He stood there praying. He stood there praying. Listen, maybe this is the word of the Lord to you. While you are waiting for the next instruction, what you sh should you be doing? Pray. God told you something about the future. You need more details. What should you be doing? Pray. As Saul was waiting, he was praying. Suddenly, a man named Ananias saw a vision. And God said, go to a street called Streets. A house on that street called the house of Judah. There's a man in that house called Saul. Right now he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight. This is how prayer births divine direction. Come on, are you with me? What about the man named Cornelius? This man did not even have as much theological information as you do. The Bible says he prayed regularly. Gave arms, was a pious man, he practiced piety the way he knew how to, and God saw his sincerity, sent an angel and said, send for Peter. He will tell you words by which you may be saved. Listen, but pay attention to the first thing the angel said. He said, your prayers have been answered. Meaning, the angel came on account of his prayers. So that means angelic visitations can be predictable. They respond to praying. The same thing happened to Daniel. The angel of the Lord came and said, I came on account of your words, your words, your words. It is because you prayed that I came. So listen, supernatural encounters don't have to happen once in a blue moon. By the spirit, we can make them predictable. Say loud, amen. Declare that over your life. Say, in the name of Jesus, my life is naturally supernatural. I see visions regularly. I see things regularly. I see into the spirit realm. I see beyond the sight of my natural eyes. I hear beyond the hearing of my natural ears. Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible is replete with examples about this can I tell you this I've discovered that most spectacular encounters are traced to the prayer of the saints some of the things that happen in your life and you think just happened you didn't even pray and this happened some other person might have been praying for you 
Just imagine you were Peter in prison. All of a sudden, an angel comes, opens the door. Now, it is only when he got back, he knew that the church had been praying. It's only when he got back. He might have thought, oh, God really likes me. Wow. You know, and all of that. And he's not wrong. But there are some prices that have to be paid. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? There's a way things are done in the realm of the spirit. And the angel is leading him and doors are opening on their own accord and chains are falling off. Some of you, that's what your mother's prayer has done for you. That's what your father's prayer has done for you. But listen, there is a time in God where that spiritual umbilical cord will be cut off. You will now have to survive on your own. Because the same God that multiplied five loaves and two fish and seven loaves and two fish, you will come to him and you will say, no, labor not for meat that perishes. I am the bread comes, come down from heaven. The same Jesus. Because he expects you. All those smaller miracles, he used it to bring you to maturity. And he expects you to grow up. Stop bragging about it. Uh, you, know, you know, some people who are even wayward, just say, ah, it is just my mama. She prays for me a lot. My dad prays for me a lot. I'm not giving you a prophecy of doom. It will shock you very soon. It will stop working. It will stop working. Not because God is unfaithful, but because you need to grow up. You, need, you must know God for yourself. You must know God for yourself. Build a prayer life. And when you pray, your sensitivity becomes heightened. And you know the best part? God doesn't even want you to be praying just because you want something. God doesn't even want you to be praying because you need a miracle. Just make it a culture. Hallelujah. Stop this fire brigade approach where you remember God only when all hell has broken loose. You can get things right the first time. You don't always have to make mistakes. You can walk in so much precision. Come on, are you with me? You get things right the first time. Erase all these unnecessary mistakes in your life. Have you, don't you have friends, maybe you've seen people who are always in trouble. Always in trouble. When they call you, say, what is it again? Something has happened. Maybe this is what you need. Start building a prayer life. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Oh, Zapalia Kapos. This is what is going to happen today. Are you in Acts 13, 2? Read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It was in a service like this. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And this, by the way, tells you it was a long service. Don't worry, I'm not scaring you. It's not going to be a long service. But listen, we need to become accustomed to things like that. This, this fire brigade, Indomie praying generation, there are some things you won't touch. If the Bible says they fasted, it couldn't have been a three-hour service. It couldn't have been a four-hour service. 
at least five hours and above. We don't know how long. And then as they did that, the Holy Ghost said, and this is, oh my God, so many things to draw from this. The fact that even a corporate assembly can come to a unanimous spiritual conclusion about the will of the Lord. The Holy Ghost said, everybody knew this is what God will have us do. Has it happened that someone said, this is what the Lord said, and you say, oh, I had that knowledge too. Multiple confirmations. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. Oh, I'm telling you, as we minister to the Lord today, the Holy Ghost is about to say something to you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, direction is coming. Clarity is coming. In fact, clarity has come. Direction has come. The Holy Ghost said. And this is the beautiful thing. Oh my God. When the Holy Ghost said, they didn't just say, oh, thank you, Father, and share the grace. Do you know what they did after that? Look at the next verse. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Verse 3. Read together again. One, two, go. So listen, they fasted and prayed and the Holy Ghost said. After the Holy Ghost said, they fasted some more. And pray. So listen, oh my God. This is a development of knowledge. We are learning how to follow God. We are learning the things of the Spirit. So listen, we pray to receive direction and we pray to prepare for execution. Come on, are you with me? We pray to receive direction and we pray to prepare for execution. Don't think that because God said, it therefore becomes automatic. You need to prepare. You need to pray. And this is a culture we must have. Are you aware? You shouldn't start anything significant in your life without taking out time to pray and fast. You know, some people are so ill-cultured. When you tell them, oh, I'll pray about it, they give, they give you this look like, what's that? Why are you trying to be spiritual? You must have moments of consecrations, special moments of devotion, personal moments. If you don't have a private place, travel, carry your bag, go somewhere, lock yourself up. Are you with me? Pray and the heavens will rend open. There is a kind of tenacity that our fathers had that must not be lost in this generation. You've heard acronyms like push, pray until something happens. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Not that you just pray, you know, you heard me say this jokingly. You just pray, you just mutter some words. Have you, you, do you know people, you never hear their voice when they're praying? Maybe one is sitting beside you. You never hear their voice. You ask them why. You say, it's my temperament. I'm generally calm. Is it like you? Just slap him and see. That's when you will hear his voice. He will shout. Or let his football team score. It's a sin for petty things to get the best of you. 
that we see your best expression only when your team is playing. Then suddenly in church, you now remember your melancholy. You now remember all the personality types. <laughs> it's the way I am. My voice is very calm. <laughs> Don't be like that. Learn to express. Do you know there are dimensions of the anointing you may not see if you're not expressive? You're not more spiritual than Jesus. Jesus was a shouter. Lazarus! <laughs> Will I see Jesus and follow you? <laughs> you know, I put an excerpt up and someone commented, why are you shouting, sir? He said, Can't stop shouting. I said, no. John 7, 37, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. <laughs> cried with a loud voice. Are they follow who no road? <laughs> Hallelujah. And there was a power to the way he did it. Come on, are you with me? Build that culture. Express yourself in prayer. Learn to push. Don't just mutter a few words and then after 20 seconds say, it's done. Uh-uh. Even Indomie would not have been ready. <laughs> what is done? After 10 seconds. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> I have two old teachings you should go and listen to. Why we pray long. In summary, I said, we pray long so that we can pray short. You know, some people have held on to prayer of faith. You don't need to pray long. Just speak the word. The people who speak the word once and it happened, they've spent time praying behind closed doors. And so they come out and, they, and Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me already. It's different. Don't just come out and rehearse all those audacious statements and, you know, copy their posture and think the same thing will happen. And you're wondering why it's not happening. We pray long so that we can pray short. That's why. No shortcut to this thing. You will put in the work. Amen, somebody. So I want you, listen, it's very basic but very important. On your calendar, how do you start the year? Personally, how do you start the year? How do you make decisions? You just stretch your finger, let someone put ring inside. In this generation, <laughs> you can't be serious. <laughs> you, you better pray. <laughs> pray. <laughs> you, you pray. How do you make decisions? You just switch jobs. Because they promise you up, up, higher pay. You don't know that that company will not be existent in the next few months. Pray. Come on, are you with me? Pray. You know, I have a friend. You know, he had a business somewhere. And the Lord told me. I said, please, open another business center elsewhere and start investing there. I couldn't give him the precise details. And he was like, oh, well, you see this place? I have plans to expand 
In fact, he said, I want to take a loan and expand it. And then eventually I had to tell him, this place will stop running for several months. Elsewhere. Listen, this is how the Lord leads. It's not Bible days. It happens. This is our life. Come on, are you with me? Few months after, someone just rose up and said, all businesses is short. You can walk in precise leading. Start by building the structure. Have a prayer life. You must have something regular and something special. If you don't, if you don't have seasons where you go beyond your normal prayer schedule, you're not doing it right. You must have special seasons of devotion. SSD, that's what I call it. <laughs> special seasons of what? Uh-huh. Where you go beyond your normal prayer schedule, go beyond your normal fasting, you, you add more, put more effort, put more favor. Let it be an ordinance. If the place where you stay is you don't have privacy, leave once in a while. Go somewhere. Go and pray. Hear God and come back. That's a landmark. Something we receive from the fathers. Hold on to it in your day, and you will see the results. Say loud, amen. amen. Come on, I said, say loud, amen. amen. Come on, I said, say loud, amen. amen. If you do what they did, what will happen? <laughs> That's my life. Come on, say, that's my life. Say, as we praise and as we worship, secrets are revealed. Truths about my future are revealed. Things I didn't know are revealed. Things I already knew are explained deeper. Say, that's why I'm here. You know, and, and in the word of God, there is a strong connection between worship and the prophetic. A strong connection. As we worship, we, uh, we, we experience heightened sensitivity. Heightened. The Lord takes a hold of our hearts. Takes a hold of our soul. You know, we cast all our cares. Cast all our cares. Say, that's why I'm here. And when you give it time, you see, especially when what God wants for your life requires the participation of other humans. I wish I had enough time to explain this. You will need longer hours of prayer when the will of another human being is involved. You will need longer hours. Because when Herod, the government official, puts you in jail, even if God wants you out, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to pray. That's the thing. Your future is not just dependent on you. There are people around you that play a part. And so long hours. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a term that what people don't like, breakthrough. <laughs> you will pray through. When you are done, you will know. Even if it's the cross you are going to, at Gethsemane, you might have been crying before you entered though. And saying, Lord, let this cup pass over me when you are done. Just know. 
You stand up. Now is the time and the hour of darkness. You go in with confidence and with boldness. Hallelujah. Come on, are you ready to experience that in this season? Remember, the Lord has told us we won't just read about it. We won't just talk about it. We will experience it. And that's why I like this church. There is no major decision we have made as a church that at least three church members did not confirm. I brag about you guys. We they see. No be. <laughs> we they. Eh? Do you understand? We they see road. We hear. We walk in the will of God. Uh, let's, let's brag for 20 seconds. You know, stand to your feet. And just say that about yourself. I, I walk in the will of God. Uh, uh, none of my steps will slide. Uh, say this, listen, listen. The Bible says, a good man sees trouble afar off and hides himself. Say by supernatural revelation, I see trouble afar off and hide myself. I see trouble afar off and hide myself. I want to give you few minutes to pray about this prophetically. Pray about this. Begin to pray now. Begin to pray now. He sees trouble afar off, hides himself. From this place as we pray, I see trouble afar. I hide myself. I hide myself. I hide myself. A thousand shall fall by my side, ten thousand by my right eye side. Only with my eyes will I see and behold the reward of the wicked. I walk in supernatural preservation. Declare it right now. I walk in supernatural preservation. I walk in supernatural preservation. I walk in supernatural preservation. Zoteka Palia. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We pray just one more prayer. You see, there is something, one mistake I've noticed people make. In the word of God, divine protection is not automatical. I know you know who you are in Christ and you declare it. But sometimes the Lord will appear to Joseph in the night and say, take your son and run to Egypt. Listen, even Jesus, don't stay in the wrong place and say nothing will happen. That's, that's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. Just imagine they had to run away with Jesus. They ran away. They ran away. You need to be precise when God says move. Leave this place now. Say in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, if you are sensitive to these funny things happening in this nation, you will pray this well. Say, in the name of Jesus, I am preserved by the angels of the Lord. Declare it over your life and over your family. As I travel far and near, I experience prophetic preservation. I experience prophetic preservation. I experience prophetic preservation. I experience prophetic preservation. For me and my family, prophetic preservation. For me and my family, prophetic preservation. Take a man de remene kapaya. Esenendo le menekoria. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.